Before we start today's episode, there's something important for agencies seeking a reliable way to attract new business, especially during busy periods. I want to introduce you to Leaflow Sprint. It's an eight-week program that simplifies your marketing and consistently attracts the attention of potential clients without requiring a massive marketing budget or external sales teams. With my 17 years of experience in aiding agencies to gain visibility in new clients, this program offers a practical and effective approach to lead generation. Forget about unpredictable leads and embrace a method that works across different agency sizes. And if you're keen to learn more, you need to visit caffeine.club slash LFS. That's K-A-F-F-E-N dot C-L-U-B forward slash L for Lima, F for Foxtrot, S for Sierra. Now let's get into today's episode. Hi, everyone. I just wanted to jump on here before you do uh, get into the content, just to say that this was such a long and productive conversation. We've actually split it into two episodes, so it's not so overwhelming to listen to. And so you're getting all the benefit from the conversation uh, in this podcast. So this is part one of two, and you can tune into the next episode, which will be queued up uh, for release shortly. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Caffeine Espresso Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Deborah Dawson of the DBA. And if you're not familiar with it already, here's a potted history of the Design Business Association. The DBA is a trade association for those working in the field of design, supporting them and championing the transformative power of design. The DBA membership consists of over 450 design consultancies, and design-driven businesses, including many of the brightest and most respected names. Put simply, it's a bridge between design and business, and there's no other organisation quite like the DBA. Its role is to galvanise the sector, to enable the full commercial, strategic and economic potential of design to be realised throughout business and government. As Chief Executive of the DBA for over 18 years, Deborah is a truly passionate advocate of design and its impact on business, She has the privilege of working with design leaders in business and the creative industries, developing new products and services that aim to benchmark and improve their performance as leaders. She also acts as an ambassador for the sector in the UK and abroad, championing the role of design in business, which is now more critical than ever before. Products and services that delight customers are essential to remaining competitive and driving growth. So without further ado, over to Deborah. Deborah, thank you so much for joining us today. Charlotte, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, So we're here today because we've got the shared uh, common cause of the Design Community Hub. Um, And for those who don't know, it's a portal for everyone in design to talk to each other for help and advice. Um, It's focused on a digital platform and it's it's accessible to to professionals across the design world to give their time, knowledge and expertise, supporting the talented graduates and design professionals whose careers have been affected by the pandemic. But I would argue that the role of this Design Community Hub stretches much further than that. So I I just wondered, could you share a little bit more about this initiative and and the DBA's role within it? Sure. So um, it was born out of a webinar that we hosted um, during the pandemic, so during last year. And uh, this was a question uh, that was asked of us all, which was how could we better help those who have been most affected by the pandemic? And I think at the time we thought the priority would be graduates. Um, So those people that would otherwise have come into the industry but couldn't because we weren't recruiting. 
Um, but as you start to dig deeper into the issue, you find that actually there was a swathe of the industry who had pinned their hopes on the jobs that they had, and um, they weren't able to hang on to those. Um, so various sectors of the industry were contracting. Um, and it became obvious that um, there was a real need to try and keep this group of people engaged in the industry. And it's a lesson we've learned from the last recession. In the last recession, we weren't recruiting people. We probably didn't recruit for about three years. And that gap in talent followed the industry. It's, it's, it's there today. So there are a bunch of people missing in our sector with um, that amount of experience. Um, we were determined not to let that happen again. And when you look at the level of investment that is made by young people in the courses that they're on, um, their enthusiasm, um, their uh, want for getting into our industry, it's critical um, that we keep them in touch uh, with us until such times as we're able to start offering jobs again. So, I mean, life is life, isn't it? They're going to have to find other ways to make ends meet. Um, and even if that is shelf stacking somewhere, the idea was, and the idea is, that um, we can keep them engaged with the sector. Um, we've all got to pay our bills and find ways of doing that. But if we can keep them energized with some internships, um, perhaps they can attend some of the events that we're organizing, a lot of agencies kind of do a, a beer and nuts type thing on Friday. They can invite people into that. Um, masterclasses, um, chat, buddying, mentoring, that type of thing. Then here was the opportunity to set something like this up to really um, keep them engaged and dial them back into the industry as soon as we start to see things take off again. Amazing. Um... And I know that the DBA helps industry understand the role that the design should have within their businesses. Can you give us a bit more insight into how design business leaders can close the gap between agency and client? Ooh, um, how do I think you close it? Well, you close the gap, I think, by getting your positioning right. Um, there's a danger, isn't there, that as a business, if you're all things to all men, um, then I think you're going to be chasing your tail. Um, and to close that gap, you have to be relevant um, to the businesses that you want to, 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 to work with. Um, I think when we set our businesses up, we tend to be um, slightly more generalist in our approach. Um, and what you find is that over the first few years, um, you start to develop, I suppose, a natural interest in certain areas of industry, or um, it might be in certain uh, processes, it might be um, a particular discipline of, of work that you're, you're interested in. Um, there may be a cause uh, that you're particularly um, keen on addressing. And that um, interest, I think, is the thing that you need to cultivate. Um, because I think the best work comes out of the businesses that are naturally interested in the areas in which they're working. Um, and it may sound like a really strange thing to say, but I remember having a conversation with someone once about the fact that they did a lot of work in property and he, he hadn't really noticed. And I said, so is it where you want to be? And he went, no, no one in the studio really likes doing that work. So what's the other work that they like doing? We went through that and I said, right, that's what you need to do then is one client at a time. You just start to focus the agency onto or into the area that you, you delight in. Um, and uh, because I think it changes the complexion of the work um, that comes out of the business um, and um, it'll afford you a, a, a career 
um, and, a, you know, a business that has longevity because it will develop this level of understanding and, and uh, uh, depth of knowledge in a sector that is the thing that starts to mark you apart from all the other businesses out there. So I'd say you close the gap by really honing in on your positioning um, and making sure that um, the businesses that you want to work with are the businesses that want to work with you. It kind of, it comes back both ways. Um, and if they don't know who you are and what you're doing, then I think there are issues around profile and, and so on. But the first thing is get your positioning absolutely spot on. Decide what you're brilliant at, concentrate on it and tell the world about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so pleased to hear you say it. Um, when I first start working with one-to-one clients, we do an audit of all the clients that they've worked with in the past and they're currently working with, and they find patterns all the time that they didn't realise were there and they don't necessarily like them. Like your anecdote about the, the client with a lot of, um, the agency with a lot of property clients. Um, but I think being aware of that and um, manually shifting it is the way to become really reputable within a certain sector uh, for your expertise. And that just makes business development so much easier. Uh, and, you know, referral process so much easier and so many other aspects as well. Yeah. And, and isn't... You, you haven't asked me to say this, but um, I also think there's a huge value in working with people from outside your business to get this right. Um, and if you're typically design businesses have been set up by a couple of founders, or maybe there are three or four people who lead the business, and it can be a really hard conversation to have. And actually getting a third party in there, someone who sees things from the outside in, um, can get you to the, to the tricky bits of the conversation. Um, so I've seen that conversation be had by agencies and, uh, and someone has since left the agency. They've determined that the direction the business is going in is actually not really what they want. And, and that's fantastic um, if that happens, because the last thing you want is someone who's frustrated um, and a, a, a leadership team who are going in, pulling in two different directions. Um, but it can be the hardest conversation to have. So determining that, getting some help, if it's going to be a tricky conversation is really important. Well, thanks. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> but also, I do, I do agree. Like I've been in this situation in house within agency where it's really difficult to be objective when uh, you're the client. It's so easy to do this work on behalf of our clients, but very difficult to look introspectively and, and figure it out for ourselves. So I definitely agree. It's not that you can't do it in house. It's that you'll do it a lot faster if you involve somebody um, externally who's got an objective eye on it. Um, and it kind of relates back to how I feel about business development as well. Um, the sense that, you know, if people leave the business or they leave your uh, new business pipeline or um, they're not engaging with your agency anymore. That's not necessarily a bad thing. People get scared about it and that's why they want to be all things to all people. Um, but actually encouraging people, whether they're employees, partners or prospective clients to self-select themselves out of your being involved in your business is a good thing because it allows you to focus on what's truly important, what's you know truly your zone of genius, and you know is going to please the creative team, and you know hopefully keep the team knitted together and engaged better than if you're working on on projects that you don't enjoy. Um, I, I think the other thing is that, um, and particularly over the last eighteen months, people aren't happy just going to work to get a paycheck anymore. I think people are looking for more. And, um, you know, if you're going to invest your, your time in something, either as an employee or as the owner of a business, 
um, then um, that consultancy work that we do for our clients, where we're determining what their purpose is, um, is the mirror that we need to be holding up to ourselves now. And um, I think it's something that certainly the leadership team in any design business need to be taking time out to really sit down and, and, and look at because it'll be the thing that attracts the talent to your business, that attracts the clients to your business. So knowing who you are and why you're there and what you're there to do is, is I think, going to be critical to your success as a business. That There are some really fantastic businesses out there. Um, and, um, you know, they're attracting the best talent because they've sorted all of this out. Um, so they're very clear in what their proposition is. They know who they want to be working with. They're working with them. Um, you know, they've, they've reached that point. And that's possible for anyone. The, co the quality of your creative has got to be brilliant. Um, and then you need to get uh, this focus. Um, and it needs to be sort of a determined focus um, to, to be able to get there. But that clarity of vision, I think, is going to be really important. But, you know, interestingly, in, in contrast to this, which is, you know, effectively what we're agreeing on is that agencies can be more effective, resonate better with clients if they laser focused on particular sectors or particular specialisms. But I, ironically, I think it's the it's the opposite for uh, the people who are probably most involved in the design community hub. So those recent graduates um, who I would really encourage I was having this conversation with um, Ryan Shaw, the um creative director at uh, Landor and Fitch the other day uh, about how just how important it is earlier on in your career to get as much experience as possible across as many specialisms as, pos as possible, effectively treating your first few years in industry like an extra foundation course and, you know, trying to get a diversity of experience so that you, you really know when you do um, settle down on a particular area or identify your zone of genius then you're confident that you've done that having looked around rather than trying to pivot later on in your career when you've got more financial responsibilities and less willingness to take a step backwards down the ladder in order to divert into a different sector um so another reason to use the design community hub people <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think it's one of these things isn't it where i mean i would always say to people if you can get some work and learn off the back of, you know, the um, industry, then great. The, the likelihood is that for some, that's just not going to be possible now. Yeah. Um, and so finding a way to um, uh, work in our sector is going to be critical, uh, whether they're starting from a freelance capacity or uh, perhaps it's odd projects uh, with different agencies that they know. I mean, I would say to people, you milk all of the contacts that you've got. Um, years ago, I used to work with the RSA and they run the RSA Student Design Awards. And I remember giving the advice to the students then, which was, you've met all of us, don't ever let us go. Um, the judges who judge the awards are the leaders uh, in the industry. Go after them, pester them. Um, and, um, it, you know, there is, um, uh, there's an opportunity here for people to tap into that generosity of spirit I think that exists in our industry which is that you know when someone needs some help generally we'll we'll help um, and it may seem like the most intimidating thing to pick up the phone to, to um, some of the leaders in the industry but, but try it. Um, it um, and of course you know the design community hub is a, is a vehicle through which that's going to be possible um, so we're hoping to launch that in the next few weeks um, and get that going, which is really exciting. 
uh, we're on the lookout for a project manager um, for that at the moment, um, just sorting out um, kind of some of the nitty gritty uh, behind the scenes and th we'll have that up and running. And I think we've had over 200 expressions of, of interest in helping um, and that's agencies who are willing to offer internships. Um, well, all of the things that I mentioned earlier on in the call. But Absolutely. Exciting. Um, and, you know, interestingly, I think, you know, flipping it back again, I think what you just said about, um, you know, never let go of us once you've met this kind of situation, particularly uh, in reference to the RSA's um, uh, Student Design Award uh, scheme, you said. Um, this also applies to bigger businesses and in in parallel with uh, the DBA's Design Effectiveness Award scheme, because I've worked with clients in the past, my next question is going to be around design effectiveness, but I've worked with clients in the past whose their entries into the Design Effectiveness Awards have so impressed clients that they've, uh, sorry, uh, the judging panel, that they've won projects from judges who are sat on the judging panel. So, you know, this applies at all levels of your career. It's just being aware of who you're in front of and the generosity of spirit and the opportunity at any moment, um, you know, when you get your work and your experience in front of somebody, uh, that they may decide to move forward with that. So um, for those people listening who are considering entering the Design Effectiveness Awards this year, that's another reason <laughs> to consider it. You might end up with some work out of it uh, from the judging panel, because uh, I've known that to happen in the past. No, it's, it's exciting when it does, because we'll get a call the next day. Usually the judges are asking if that's okay uh, for them to, to go after someone, and of course it is. The I think the, the key thing to point out really is that um, kind of results speak volumes. Um, and I think it's, again, if you pick up on the point we were talking about earlier about the, the purpose in businesses, um, doing great work is fantastic, but I know most agencies do great work that also has great impact. It's just that we tend not to stick around to find out about the detail mm -hmm. of that. Um, and it's the nature of how our businesses work. Um, we're, we're not paid for that bit. You know, if you've got to go back and find out, um, then... Um, someone has got to spend some time um, going in and asking the questions. And so what we would advocate is that um, whether you enter the awards or not, look at the call for entries. So there's a there's a discipline here to how you do business um, and look at the call for entries. Look at the way that we're suggesting you talk about your work and, and the sort of detail that you might go after from your client. And whether you enter the awards or not, um, great if you do. Uh, but if you use that as a model for your case studies, it will start to change the type of conversations that you're having. And from a business development point of view, um, it's the it's kind of the holy grail. I mean, if you win one of the design effectiveness awards, it's the ticket to um, phoning clients up and talking to them about the impact you've had on other businesses. And if you've done it for them and them and them, you, you can do it for others. Um, so use the method of entering um, in the first instance to change the way that you talk about your work read the case studies look at the case studies that are coming from other industry sectors so don't just read the packaging stuff if you're in the packaging sector look at what's happening in retail environments um, in some of the product design sectors and your 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 knowledge um, of the breadth of what design is capable of doing i think is going to become really important so your specialism is one thing but understanding design at a macro level is also really important because typically businesses who are commissioning packaging 
are also commissioning websites, annual reports, um, internal communications. If you're working for big brands, design is touching those businesses at a whole host of, of levels. Um, and uh, this multiplicity of disciplines is, is being brought to bear on the business. That's the challenge the client's got. So that the, 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 the client context has changed and they're looking for design leaders who are able to orchestrate design across all of these areas. Um, but if you're sitting in one area or another, um, you need to understand the context that your client is operating in. And if you're the person who's delivering impact, delivering results, changing hearts and minds in the area in which you offer specialism, um, you'll, be, you'll continue to be the first choice partner for that organization. Um, clients want to change hearts and minds. Their purpose is changing. Um, they're having to review. I mean, it's a really complex context that they're now in. Um, and um, I think design brains are some of the most attuned to what's going on culturally and in society and your ability to help clients think through those really uh, tough issues, um, I think, is, is, is evident to me. It's not evident to them. Um, and so um, there's something, uh, there's work to be done, I think, by agencies to say, actually, we can also help you uh, with some of these, these, um, these areas that require some really innovative thinking um, uh, to look at what the solutions are for businesses going forward. I couldn't agree more. And I'm just noting down, you know, I think a lot of people think of the Design Effectiveness Award process, entry process, as um the end goal for them is the award but there are just so many reasons for entering and I was just scri I scribble four down as you're talking that I regularly talk about with clients and firstly is that I know with bigger clients they've uh some of my bigger clients is in the bigger agencies they've had their uh positions on rosters uh kind of called into question with the with their really big clients uh because for marketing procurement teams having design effectiveness award has become um a hygiene factor in terms of who sits on their uh, their roster for design um just because it's so important for those client teams to prove the return on uh, investment in design uh to the wider business i think um there's also uh you know, you mentioned they're looking at the other disciplines that are mentioned within that call to entries. I think sometimes that can be a really good prompt, you know, even when you're writing proposals to think about what else could you include, you know, what might be nice to have if they want to go for the, the extra large version of um, the proposal that you're putting forward. What else could you include that you may not have thought about initially? Because that's a, a massive area for um, uh, growing revenue that I think a lot of my uh, my own small smaller design agency clients don't necessarily consider they always stick to the the safe kind of areas that they always deliver for clients years ago we had an entry that was done by um, an office uh, interior design company so they redesigned the head office for a particular company and uh, what they discovered after the project was that they had had a massive impact on absenteeism so businesses measure absenteeism now these guys were commissioned by um, you know, one area of the business, but they're having an impact in another area. And it wasn't until the internal team were having this conversation that they realized that um, it had impacted absenteeism to the tune of two million. Um, the project was probably quarter of a million. Um, so, um, and it would have been something that would have gone unnoticed, except that HR, it was such a big um, impact on HR that the HR team had looked into why this was happening. 
And it was because the environment in which people were working was now so nice. People weren't taking sickies nearly as much as they did. And it was in a year that had a hotter summer than the year that they were comparing it to previously. So all of the indicators were that people should have been off a bit more um, because the weather was good. Now, it wasn't a claim that the agency could make in that particular case study, but it was something the agency learned about the potential impacts of their work. And every time they went in to do office retail uh, rejigs, uh, not office retail, office or retail rejigs, actually, when you look at the impact of environment on people, it has this impact in all these other areas of business. And if you're fighting, let's say you were fighting for a half million pound budget off the back of knowing that you saved another business two million in the previous year, you stand a much better chance of, of fighting for budget. Now, again, that's part of the job that the design leader within the business who's commissioning the work needs to be able to do. But as agencies, if we're spotting those opportunities, then we can be feeding that learning into those businesses and helping them make the case for design uh, within their organisations. Absolutely. And I think we as an industry, um, as creatives, um, many of us suffer with a kind of uh, self-doubt. And I think just looking at the case studies that are on the um it's effective design.co.uk, isn't it? The, yeah, on like the website. I've typed it in so many times. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, I'll put that in the show notes, everybody, but that's the, the DBA's dedicated website for the Design Effectiveness Awards. There's so many case studies on there. Literally every uh, publisher will PDF of every entry ever submitted. You'll be able to find the various uh, archives of that website. It's such a useful resource in terms of building confidence in your own role within the industry because like I said we can feel um like design is because it's less tangible historically and you know much harder to measure because let's face it it's hard work there's a lot of rigor that goes into pulling together a design effectiveness award entry or proving ROI of design in any way um but once you've been through that process or you've seen other people go through that process it's a lot easier to go into new business calls or uh, a proposal pitch situation with confidence, knowing what your business is contributing towards that organization. You know, being that office and retail design company now going into their into any pitch situation, knowing that they delivered eight X ROI solely on absenteeism within that previous case study, you know, it's just incredible. It's very hard to argue with as a prospective client, uh, particularly when you're faced with two or three agency options. Um, it, you know, it's evident to me that somebody would choose the one that they've got more proof that it's going to be a success overall, uh, particularly from a financial perspective. Mm. Um, yeah, just so many reasons to do it, guys. And even if you just look at the call to entries in that website, um, yeah, fully, fully recommend doing that. Um, so one of my questions is going to be uh, around the early stage founders uh, and smaller design businesses, because I'd say about 70% of our listeners are design businesses, leaders of design businesses that are under 10 people. So what role does the DBA have in supporting them? The, I think it's important to know that the DBA was set up 35 years ago by design businesses for design businesses. So we've seen it all. Um, we know about kind of the, the, the real life experience of running an agency. Um, and I think one of the key things that the DBA can do is um, bring you into a community um, of like-minded people 
uh, some of whom are at the same stage that you're at. So there'll be other people that are um, setting up or starting to um, look at establishing reputations that bring um, longevity to the businesses that they've set up. Uh, there are others that have been in there for years. Um, and then there are others who are you know, coming out the other end of it. And um, that community is really important. They will fast track you to... Um, the sorts of decisions that you need to be making quickly. It's the stuff that can really trip a business up, um, but it shouldn't be. Um, because um, I, I once described it to someone, no, well, actually, someone uh, described it to me. She, he said, Deborah, he said, you're trying to sell me the greens on the plate. Um, and, um, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, or fortunately, that's what the DBA does. So we'll sort out all that business stuff. That is the, is the greens on the plate. Um, and the reason for sorting that stuff out is um, it will have a tangible impact on the amount of time you get to spend on creative. Um, so I used to joke that if an agency redid their website, um, you know, kind of their, their printed Christmas card when we were doing that sort of thing and some sort of promotional brochure in one year, they'd go bankrupt. Um, and, um, you know, that uh, the ability to self-reflect um, consumes a huge amount of time and weirdly all of this business stuff does as well um, it takes time to work out who you want to be and how you're going to do it but there are areas of this stuff that you should be moving through with really quickly um, and dialogue with other people will enable that to happen um, there are some really practical things so we do an annual survey um, of uh, members which, um, I mean, I can't begin to explain what's in this thing because it's full of everything from yeah. charge-out rates to salaries um, to the, the perks that people are offering and so on. Um, it might feel daunting to take part in something like that to start with, but we'll handhold you um, through that process. And quite often what we find is that uh, based on that research, people are pricing themselves in completely the wrong way. Um, so if you're not making money doing what you do and, you know, you need to take a good hard look at this, if you're not making money at this, um, then I think you need to understand why. And, uh, and if you're, I'm still not going to put this quite, quite right. If you're not making money at this, you need to know why. And it could be that you don't want to compromise creative quality and so you're over servicing clients in order to get the quality of work into the market um, and we understand that that's a part of your reputation um, but there could be a whole host of other reasons why you're not making money as a business and I don't mind at the end of the day whether you're making money or not what does bother me is whether you know why you're making money or not making money because then you're in control of what's going on and if you get to the end of the year and the numbers that you see are slightly shocking or upsetting, um, I would argue that you're not in control of, of the vehicle that you're driving. And the DBA can help with that. And it's not a bit that all of us want to be involved in, but I promise you, it's one of those things where, where you start to, when you start to, to understand the, the, the cogs that go into a, a really well-functioning business, um, then delivering great quality creative comes off the back of a really smooth running business. And if you're about to walk into a business and tell them that you understand them um, and that you're going to do a great job for them, you have to be able to look at your own organization and say, I understand it and I know how to operate it. Um, so I think there's an element of um, 
you start to do great work for clients when you really understand how businesses work. And that starts with the, the business that you're sitting in yourself. Yeah, um, how businesses work and, and what you're bringing to any project that you're working on, you know, what, how confident you are in your own ability to yeah. affect change within that business too. And I think once you've, you get your head around this stuff, actually it's done. Um, so, yeah. you know, if, if you're waking up in the morning and thinking, oh, you know, I've got to do this, that and the next thing. Um, if you're not moving through those business issues, um, something's not quite right. You, you, you need to be moving through these things, determining what's right for you um, and then getting on to the, 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 um, the business of, of doing the work that you do. So um, and it gets easier um, and you can take my word for it or, you know, I can I can I can put you in touch with someone who can talk to that any of the businesses that you work with charlotte would endorse this that if you get all of that business stuff sorted out actually you're you're just a better business yeah everything's so much easier i completely agree um so yeah do the um the ugly stuff the stuff you keep putting off on the to-do list definitely do, just face it do it once and and do it well and know that you'll grow as a business because of it and once you see how uh, how much benefit it brings to your business, it become a lot easier to readdress that area in the future if you ever need to revisit it um, you yeah. know, as you grow or you, you pivot or, or, you know, receive a curveball, <laughs> as we've all experienced the last 18 months. Yeah, I think the it's interesting because I had a conversation with someone yesterday who had a, a personal crisis um, six months ago. And um, uh, I think one of the things you can do is ask yourself the question, if something hit you left field, and it's, it's usually personal life, it's got nothing to do with the business. So let's just say you had a stroke or a heart attack. And I know this sounds pretty doom and gloom. Uh, these things happen. We're all human. Could the business survive for six months without you in it? And that's the ambition people should have is that, um, and I think it's possible for this to work even in small businesses. Um, it's, it's a bit like having the, you know, an emergency exit clearly lit up. Um, you need to be aware um, that these things happen. Um, and I know businesses that have navigated those sorts of issues really well. So it can be done. And again, we, I can put you in touch with people who have you know, gone through that type of experience, um, who can talk to what it was about their business that enabled the business to carry on without them for that period of time. And then there are others who haven't been able to do that. Um, who now look back and can see that there are things that they could have had in place to help that happen. So, um, you know, those curveballs, and it, it, the curveball could be your single major client walking out the door. So if you've got more than 50, 60% of your income sitting with one client and they walk out the door within three months, that's like a heart attack in business, in a design business. Um, so what's the plan? Um, and again, if you're sitting in that position now and it makes you slightly nervous, call the DBA. <laughs> yeah, address should, it. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. You should be nervous. It is, a, it is not a good place to be. Hi there. Thanks for listening in today. Just to remind you that this is the first of two parts of this episode. So listen out for the subsequent parts, which will be coming to the podcast platform soon. Just before we wrap up, I want to touch on a crucial opportunity for your agency's growth. As a creative agency, your primary focus should be on delivering exceptional work, not getting bogged down in sales and marketing. And that's where the lead flow sprint comes in. It's an eight-week program designed to streamline your lead generation process, bringing in a steady flow of potential clients to you. 
No more struggling with the ups and downs of trying to gain the attention of new business. Our program includes hands-on support, including direct input on your copywriting, ensuring a bespoke approach to your lead generation needs. No more feeling stuck in the feast or famine cycle. Our real-time support, including direct feedback on tasks like copywriting, helps you to bid farewell to inconsistently and embrace a lead generation system that's tailored to your unique needs. Visit caffeine.club slash LFS. That's K-A-F-F-E-N dot C-L-U-B forward slash L for Lima, F for Foxtrot, S for Sierra.